Today I'm featuring a famous speech by Mike Montero called F You Pay Me. It is explicit, so you have been warned. So enjoy. Who in this room is now or has at some time been in creative services? Raise your hand. Higher. I'm old. I can't see. Great. Who here has at some time had trouble getting paid by a client for work they were doing? All right. Raise your hand if any of these are familiar to you. We ended up not using the work. All right. It's really not what we wanted after all. All right. Who's familiar with Goodfellas? All right. We got somebody internal to do it instead. <laughs> Fuck you, pay me. We canceled the project. Fuck you, pay me. We actually didn't get the money that we, the funding that we thought we were going to get. Fuck you, pay There we go. We think we've already paid you enough. Fuck you, pay me. It's really not what we were hoping for. Fuck you, pay me. Thank you. That's the title of our talk today. Fuck you, pay me. So my name is Mike Montero. Uh, some of you may know me from Twitter as Mike for the win, uh, so the profanity shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, when, I, when Erica Hall, who's sitting supportively over there, and I started Mule ten, 10 years ago now, we uh, wanted to run our own design shop because we wanted to pick and choose the clients that we were going to work with. And we wanted to be responsible, ultimately, for what we were putting out in the world. And um, we had worked together at a couple places, and we were um, naive enough to think that we could run a business better than the people who we were working for. Uh, we, didn't, we were so excited about working together that it didn't occur to either of us, or maybe we each thought that the other one had it, but neither of us really had enough business experience to be running a company. Because of that, we ended up leaving a lot of money on the table. We ended up not negotiating contracts properly. We ended up not renegotiating contracts when we should have renegotiated them. But since we're still here and we're doing pretty well, I think we've, learned, we've actually learned a little bit about how to run a design business. And if you're running a design business, this stuff is part of the job as well as the creative work. because this is a business. And you got to keep the lights on. You got to pay people. You got to meet payroll. And most importantly, you got to get clients. We love our clients at Mule. They are people who have, for the most part, worked their butts off to get a budget, enough to hire a design team to do the work. And of all the choices they could have gone with, they went with us. So we want to do really great work for them. And most, well, I 
all clients, I think, start the business relationship with the best of intentions. And things go wrong, things that you weren't expecting. Uh, you know, the market changes, or you know, the person who hired you leaves, or you know, somebody has a bad mood day, but things change. And when those things change, you need to make sure that the relationship between you and the client is set in place in, in something like a contract. We recently came across this on Quora, which is apparently a site for posting questions to show how smart you are. <laughs> so what is good advice for how to deal with a client who refuses to pay for design work because of obviously false irrational reasons? Let's leave off the obviously false irrational reasons because we're not doing therapy today. Um, but. The, f the answer that we found under this question was you could try a heart-wrenching letter. <laughs> I'm going to go get some water. <laughs> Thank you. You could try a heart-wrenching letter, and you could lose all credibility that you have with that client. Because the minute that you write a heart-wrenching letter, the minute you appeal to their emotions, you have given up any bit of leverage that you had in that relationship. You have shown them your belly. You have shown them that you don't think you have a leg to stand on other than playing upon guilt. You have become a bottom in that relationship. <laughs> it's good, right? <laughs> And more than anything, I would like designers to stop being bottoms and realize the amount of power that they actually have in a relationship. I guarantee that this person did not have a contract in place because this is the sort of thing that a contract irons out immediately what happens in a situation like this. And if this person had a lawyer, well, actually, if my lawyer were here, actually, my lawyer is here. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm going to sit on what's been called the lawyer perch. So, um, Gabe Levine, everybody. This Gabe guy's been keeping me out of jail for about six years. I don't know why I deserve applause, but when Mike asked me to, um, to, to come participate in this, I said yes right away. Um, my relationship with him has been great. He's, he's a fabulous client. Um, a little bit about me real quick. Um, I started my law practice at a big firm, as so many young lawyers do. Um, after two years, I realized it sucked. Um, I went and joined a small firm where I get to serve small companies like Mule Design. Um, and I enjoy working with them. And um, what I, what I enjoy most is preventing problems. Because when you have small companies as clients, um, you need to make sure that you, at the outset, take care of issues that are going to arise. And in the context of your jobs as web designers, you do that in your client services contracts. You make sure that if something goes wrong and you're not going to get paid, that there's a mechanism in there for dealing with that. Um, and to be blunt, um, with both Mule and um, other companies that have come to me in the early stages, their contracts can be, if they have them, a mess. 
Um, so today we're going to talk a little bit about how you want to um, deal with that, have confidence in your business, have confidence in yourself, structure your contracts to make sure that uh, you're protected. We're your favorite client, right? Absolutely my favorite client, hands down. If there are other clients in here, <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> so the, the, the basic I mean, gist of a contract is clear definitions, clear expectations. Yeah, you, you want to make sure that you know, everybody understands what, what they've agreed to. Um, all too often when you're, when you're negotiating, people don't understand what they've agreed to. And that's something that um, I enjoy about working with Mike and Erica and all of their employees um, because I can explain something, they listen, they don't beat about the bush, um, and, and the other side and Mule understand what they're agreeing to when they go into a contract. You don't want to just ignore something and make it muddled, not clear. Clear expectations, clear definitions. So we've put together our greatest hits of bad predicaments that <clears throat> Gabe and I have, um, Gabe has helped us with. We were working for a large organization that um, the whole, the, we were working with a, a, new, a new division for a new thing they were doing. And the project was going really great. They were all super smart. Everything was going, going fantastic. There was absolutely no sign that anything was going to go badly. One day, we walked in for a presentation. We waited in the lobby for 30 minutes. And then finally, they walked us up to an MTV VP's office who um, came back in and said, I've had the worst day. I just had to lay off so many people. Prick. <laughs> Uh, that entire division that we were working with was laid off that day. Um, at this, so, and, and we were told the project was over. At this point, there's nothing left in the room. They're gone, we're gone. There was a contract that stipulated they had to pay us. Had the contract not been in place, we would have spent a ton of time and energy and money trying to get paid for that job and probably ended up getting and we'd probably end up getting paid a significant portion less. It's, it's a difficult conversation to have when somebody comes to me and says, um, you know, I've got a job that I'm working on, I've done X hours, and they refuse to pay me. And I, my first question is, do you have a contract? Um, no is a really bad answer. Um, <laughs> the, the situation you find yourself in there is that the, the truth of the matter is I can write a mean letter. Um, or I can, you know, try the, you know, persuasive phone call. But if you if you have to file a lawsuit, um, you're going to want a written contract. Um, if you want to avoid a lawsuit and have persuasion early in, in your talks, you're going to want a written contract. You're going to want a written contract that has attorney's fees, so you don't have to worry about paying me twenty thousand dollars if it's going to cost that much to collect fifty. Um, they know that they have to pay that if they lose. So, yeah, you would have collected significantly less without a contract. And the other thing to note in this particular project was one of the people who was actually laid off that day ended up sticking around for a couple weeks and ended up being an incredibly good ally for us. Um, and when they were trying to get out of paying us, she basically told them, fuck you, pay them. The full talk is 38 minutes, so I can't really clip the whole thing for you here. But he goes on to list a few more examples and scenarios, and it really works through the F-U-P-Me mentality. I admire this talk on two levels. One, he's standing up for the rights of freelancers and contractors who always get all sorts of BS when 
they try to get clients to pay and uh, it is a pain point for a lot of these independent contractors. Uh, but second of all, I do have a soft spot for well-delivered and well-structured talks. The way that he started this talk was immediately attention-grabbing, essentially not introducing himself, not introducing the talk, just saying, asking for a show of hands, like who has had this pain point before, getting people to repeat back the slogan and then introducing them to talk. And I thought it was really well done. What's pretty funny is that there's now a fairly popular creator economy app, also called FU Pay Me, and they call themselves the glass door for influencers, which is essentially influencers crowdsourcing what they're worth. Uh, I think it's a pretty interesting idea.